listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. taken this down and looked at the three different elements of love which are looked at in the scripture. And the first week, uh, we actually looked at ways that we can improve the way that we love God. And then last week, we looked at how we could love ourselves better. Hopefully, uh, somebody's got something from these messages as we've been going through, because we're trying to give you uh, not just an explanation of what love looks like, but also how it can apply to your life. So in that first week, we looked really at ways that we can respond to God's love. God God loves us in certain ways, and how we can actually respond to that, and how we should love Him back. All right, we established very quickly that love is an action word. It's a doing word. And as with everything that we do, we can learn and work on doing better. Doing better. It sounds like a strange thing. You either love someone or you don't. Well, that's true to a point. But you can love somebody, always love better than you are loving right now because, as I said, it's an action and we can always look to improve. So this evening, uh, we're going to be closing out and focusing on uh, how to love our neighbors. All right, That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at how to love our neighbors. We've looked at how to love God. We've looked at how to love ourselves. And that leads us on to how to love our neighbors. Because unless you get the other two things right, you can't love your neighbor properly. If you don't love God, that's where, God, that's where the foundation of love is. That's what who love is. God is is love, and he can teach us every aspect of love. So once we have a relationship with him in the right direction, that will then help us to love ourselves. We learned last week that a lot of people love themselves in the wrong way. And so by loving yourself, it therefore means that the love that God gives to us can pass through us and then move on to other people. So we are going to be looking, as I said, on how to love our neighbors. In other words, other people. Other people. Everybody else apart from ourselves. And that's a key point that I want to make before we even start going. Everybody else. Everybody else. Not just some of the everybody else's that we know. Not just a select few that we actually find it easy to love. Not just the ones that we feel deserve us to love them. Everybody. We are called to love everybody. God doesn't call us to love some people really well and ignore the rest. He doesn't allow us to treat some people badly because we went over and above with other people, those that we enjoy loving. He doesn't allow us to love some people badly or not at all and then feel that the balance, the scales are balanced if we love somebody else over and above. We are not called to be selective or biased or choosy with who we love. We are called to love everybody, not in a biased way and not in a selective way. Now, thank God... He is not that way. Thank God he loves indiscriminately and unreservedly. Now, he even loves me. And he loved me at my absolute worst. 
When I was at my absolute most broken and my most toxic, he loved me. And he did so in a wonderful and marvelous way. He used the people that were around me. And more than anybody, he used Molly, my wife, who saw me before I was saved. She is the only person sat in this room who knew me before I was saved. She is the only person who's in my life today who knew me before I was saved. And there was a complete transparency between us when we met. We met online on MySpace, and there was an absolute transparency between both of us. And the reason for that was quite simple. Well, there were 4,500 reasons for it. That was how far apart we were. And we had no impression, no idea, no even imagination that we would ever meet each other. And how many people know, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're always trying to impress them. Just in case you ever bump into them again, you ever meet them, meet up with them again, you give them the face, so to speak, for the first few times that you get together and meet. Not so with Molly and I. We met online, 4,500 miles apart, no contact before that. And so from day one, I was absolutely, completely open and honest with her. Now, little did we know that when we met online, what God had planned for us. This Sunday coming is our seventh wedding anniversary. Now, as important... <coughs> praise God. Now, as important as that, and in some ways more important than that, today, eight years ago today, Molly led me to Christ. Eight years ago today is when I was actually saved. Now, there is no greater example to me in my life of what it is that I've been preaching on over these last three weeks than Molly. No greater example to me than Molly. Without the love for God that Molly had and has right now, she would not have loved herself securely enough like she did, even with all the struggles and everything that she was going through at the time. And she would not have been able to display God's love to me like she did. Now, I am not saying that Molly is perfect. But at that time, she was definitely a light in my darkness. And she showed me something that I had never seen before. Now, our story is a powerful story. But your story is no less powerful. Or could be no less powerful. Or get this, should be no less powerful. The key here is the love that brought me to Christ and saved my life. Literally, physically, spiritually saved my life. You have the same God, the same unconditional love given to you. And you have the same opportunity to be a part of someone having their life completely transformed. You have the same ability to show someone God's love and attract them to Jesus. You see, this story, our story, is not about Pete and Molly. It's about a Christian and an agnostic. It's about a believer and a non-believer. It's about unconditional and life-transforming love. God's love. God's love being shown through one person to another. You need to understand this. God uses people to show his love for people more than any other thing. God uses people to show his love to you, and he wants to use you to show his love to others. And you need to get that, grasp that, and understand that. Now, loving others is not just important. It's absolutely essential. God created us not just with the ability to love, but the duty to love, the responsibility to love, the calling to love. 
Loving others should be more valuable to us and more rewarding to us than anything else in our lives. That is how important loving others is. Now look at this scripture. You've all seen and heard it before, many times no doubt. But do me a favor, open your minds and your hearts to what is actually being said here. 1 Corinthians 13, first three verses. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, can you see the importance of loving others? If we don't love others, we gain nothing. Not just something, not just not quite everything. We gain nothing. So to close out, as I said, this series, I'm going to use this passage of Scripture and I'm going to look at what love is when it comes to relationships and loving other people. And again, how we can practically put these things into action. So let's continue this chapter for a few more verses and I want to see uh, what Paul tells us love is. Now notice what I said there, what love is. This is not what Paul thinks love is. This scripture, along with everything else in the New Testament that Paul penned, is God-inspired. And it's not Paul's opinion. So let's carry on through verses 4 and 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So let's break this scripture down and look closely at it. And what we're going to do is discover 10 things that love is and isn't and does and does not. And we're going to learn what loving other people looks like and the ways that we should go about doing it. So the first thing that love is, love is patient and kind. Patient and kind to everyone. Each and every one of us have got people in our lives that it's easy to be patient with. Basically because they don't test our patience too much. Right? We all, though, have at least one person that very easily can get on our last nerve. Am I right? Now, being patient with those that don't test us is not enough. We need to be patient and kind with those that we really struggle to be that way with. Now, some people test our patience deliberately. Anyone know an aggravator or two? I know an aggravator or two. Now, if you are that aggravator, I've got some news for you. It's not big and it's not clever if you are that aggravator. But we all know somebody like that that will deliberately irritate you and push your patience. But most people, they certainly don't mean to test us. Those that test us, most people don't mean to. And we have to come from a place where we take time to understand what they are doing and saying and why they are doing or saying it. There is every chance that they don't necessarily even know what it is that they're doing or that it's driving you nuts. Now, one of the basics of being patient with people is knowing and remembering always this. We are all different. We act differently in situations. We have different ways of doing things. And here's a new flash. Your way is not always the right way. I know it's a new flash for some of you. 
Okay, so even if what the other person is doing or saying is wrong, we need to remain patient with them. Now look at this, Ephesians 4 verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. See that there? Making allowance. And why do you make allowance? Because of your love. Because you love somebody. You make allowances for their faults. Love calls you to be patient and to make allowances. And love enables you to be patient and make allowances. If you are coming from a point of love, it means that you are equipped to be able to see their differences, if you like, and to make allowances for them. Now, with patience comes kindness. Kindness does not come out of impatience. Impatience tends to lead us to be unkind in the way that we speak and act towards people or the way that we speak about people. And here's an important point. Being patient with people does not mean simply biting your tongue and not speaking out loud to someone about how they are annoying you. That's not what being patient is, just a bite in your tongue. Especially if then once they leave, you go and badmouth them to somebody else. That's not what patience is. Patience is not getting annoyed with them in the first place. Okay? So, what else is love? Love is not jealous. Not jealous. Let me show you how important it is not to be jealous of others. James 3, 15 and 16 For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Unspiritual, demonic, evil. That's the way that jealousy and selfishness are described. Now I'd say that that's pretty clear. Look how bad for you jealousy is. And that's the key. It's bad for you. It's bad for you. It's also incredibly damaging to relationships. It's, it's almost impossible to love someone that you are envious of. And impossible to love them in unconditionally. You cannot love someone unconditionally and be jealous of them. Yeah. Now, jealousy is an ugly emotion. And I don't mean that it's worse than any other bad emotion. I'm talking about the way that it manifests itself. The way that it shows itself is ugly. The way it displays itself in a person. A jealous person has nothing good to say about someone that they are envious of. Nothing good. And that's not love. Jealousy changes the way that we look at people. When we are jealous of someone, nothing that they do is right. And if we do see them doing right, we'll justify it away by saying either they fluked it, or they only did that because they want somebody to give them credit and attention. That's how we approach somebody that's jealous. Now, jealousy can consume us, and we can quickly get to the point that we crave what the other person has. And most importantly, we can become ungrateful and unthankful for what we have. Like I said, like I said, that's ugly. We must always remain grateful for what it is that we have. So what do we do if, if we are jealous of somebody? Well, here's the key. We change our perspective. We change our perspective. Easy? No. Essential? Yes. We have to start celebrating their victories. We have to start being happy for them. We have to start, get this, being thankful to God for the blessings that he provides to us and to others. Because everything that you have comes from God. 
Yes? So it follows that everybody that somebody next door to you has comes from God. So you need to be thankful to God for his blessings. Not just for his blessings that he gives to you, but thankful to God for the God that he is. And so that's why we have to celebrate the victories of other people. So what else, what else is love not? Love is not boastful or proud. Now part of what I spoke about last week on the topic of loving yourself was that we should look upon ourselves oftentimes better than we do. Many people, many people have a low self-image, a poor self-image that comes across as them putting themselves down all the time, thinking bad of themselves all the time. They feel and speak unworthy of doing anything good or receiving anything good. Some people, though, are at the other end of the scale and they love themselves just a little bit too much. Some people take thinking well of themselves and add some steroids or something to it okay, and boost that up to the point where they move from loving themselves to self-love. And there's a difference between the two. There's nothing wrong with recognizing our strengths. There's nothing wrong with recognizing our strengths. But we must never do it to the extent of believing that we have no weaknesses. Okay, that's the key. But what does that have to do with loving else, loving somebody else? If we love ourselves that, that much, what does that have to do with loving other people? Well, quite simply, we have to be humble to love others the way that we're called to. If we are convinced that we're better than everyone, we come into every relationship and interaction with a degree of arrogance and superiority. If you think you're better than somebody, the way that you speak to them will reflect that. It can't not. It can't not. If you think that you are better than somebody else, that will be displayed. And if we're not careful, that can lead us to not treating people with love, but instead treating them with pity. If you think you're better than somebody, you're going to treat them with pity and not love. And pity is not good. You can feel bad for somebody's circumstances, maybe. You can feel sorry for them that they are in that position. Maybe they've got less than you. But don't ever look at it as who it is that they are and think that they are less than you. Somebody who has less than you is not less than you. So you can't... This is why it's key, as I said. If you think you're better than them, that will change the way that you're actually expressing yourself to them. What you have, again, everything you have comes from God. You have it because God gave it to you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you're entitled to it. And know this. God gave it to you. God can take it away. Being prideful and boastful is not good. And it will affect you as much as it affects those around you. Okay. Let's look at this. Proverbs 11.2 says this. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Wisdom comes from being humble. It comes with being humble. And it will show itself in the way that you treat other people. Humble people can truly love people because they know that they are in the same boat together and better than no one. Humble people can truly love people. So let's look at the next, next aspect of love. Love is not rude. Now, one of the biggest challenges that comes with being in a loving relationship is the fact that we can very easily let our guard down and start taking people for granted. The longer that you are with somebody, the closer that you get to somebody, the easier it is for those barriers to come down, those walls to come down, and we can very, very quickly take people for granted. Not necessarily in every way, but we can certainly be less aware of the way that we're speaking to them, with them, or at them. 
We must communicate with those that are closest to us in a way that continually lets them know how important they are to us and with love and respect. And we speak as we speak. We need to bear this in mind. Proverbs 21:23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Keeps himself out of trouble. Now, if there's one thing that I want to be with my wife, it's out of trouble. I want to be out of trouble with my wife. But it's not just our spouses. It's anyone that we're close to. Our direct family can often be the ones, though, that get the very worst of us. I know that that's the case with me. If I'm tired, if I've got a lot on my brain, I can sometimes be guilty of getting a bit snappy without knowing I'm doing it. We've had this conversation last night, complete open transparency with you. We had this discussion, Molly and I, about the way that I sometimes speak with her. If I'm tired or overwhelmed, I will snap without even knowing that I'm doing it. Not viciously, but rudely. Rudely. And that's not good enough. Rude doesn't just mean how we speak either. It also means when we speak. James 1.19 tells us this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Again, with those that we are closest to, we can sometimes believe that we know exactly what they're thinking about everything. Okay? Anybody else here have a spouse that finishes their sentences for them? I love when Molly does that for me. Say, I told her she's not perfect. Anyway, moving on quickly. All right, love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. Now, love, as we know, is an action word. And part of the way that we love is sacrificially. In fact, real love is impossible to display fully and consistently without sacrifice. It's impossible. Sacrifice doesn't just mean with our time or resources. It also means putting other people's desires before our own. That's what sacrifice means. It means putting other people's desires before our own. We cannot love and be consistently selfish. You can't do it. Love is all about give and take. And more give than take. Love is more about give than it is about taking. Now being unselfish again is not always easy. It's not always easy because it actually goes against our nature. We are by nature selfish beings. Our firmware is wired with selfishness in it. Thankfully, being unselfish is something that can be practiced. We can practice being unselfish. And it's something, again, that we can get better at. Why? Because it's a doing word. It's an action word. We can practice it and get better at it. Get better at it. We need to work at it. And it's essential to a healthy relationship and to being a healthy and productive Christian. You cannot be a healthy and productive Christian and be selfish. So the next thing about love I want to look at is this. Love is not irritable. Not irritable. Now this is something else that can completely transform a great relationship into a not so great one. This ties in with what I was talking to you about earlier on, about love being patient. Love is not irritable. And so to display love, we have to also not be irritable. If by definition love is not irritable, if we're displaying it, we can't be irritable. Now again, the reality is this. That's not always easy to accomplish. It's not easy because the key point here is that love is not irritable, period. It doesn't say love is not irritable unless it's tired or unless it's had a bad day at work or unless it's running late or unless it's hungry. Anybody else relate to that? That's me at my worst. Hungry? Mm, Feed me. Don't talk to me. Feed me. Feed me. When you're hungry, that's sometimes how it goes, okay? So it's not, as I said, always 
easy to achieve. But look how important, again, this is, that we don't take our irritations out on those that we should be showing love to. Matthew 5.22. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, this is Jesus talking during the Sermon on the Mount. How many people know that when Jesus is speaking and he's talking about the fires of hell, we need to sit up and listen? We need to sit up and listen. Again, we have to recognize when we are being tempted to be irritated and resist it. We must not let our irritation become anger and then take it out on others. Love is patient, remember? Love is patient. That's how this scripture starts. Love is patient. Patience and irritation cannot be in the same place at the same time. You can't be patient and irritated at the same time. So let's move on to the next aspect of love. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Simply put, don't hold grudges. Don't hold grudges. The interesting thing about this is that the scripture says that love keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't say even that it keeps a list with all the things crossed off. It says it keeps no record. One of the most potentially dangerous things that we can do in any relationship is to dredge up the past. It's the most damaging thing we can do. And once you've done that once, listen to me carefully. Once you have done that once, there's a cloud and there is an unease over the relationship moving forward. Because the other person is permanently nervous that the same thing is going to happen again. Once you've done that once, they're on guard. They're waiting for it to happen again. Now, when we love someone, we should do all we can do to make that person feel safe and secure. And a huge part of that is them knowing that we are not going to make them feel bad for things that they may have done wrong in the past, whatever that might be. If we bring up previous hurts and things that someone has done to us, it's not a reflection of what they did. It's a reflection of our lack of forgiveness. That's what it is. We should forgive, period, unconditionally. In other words, irrespective of what the thing was that was done to us. Forgiveness isn't for some things and not for others. It's for all things. And there are so many scriptures that teach us what's expected of us regarding forgiving other people. But here's one that really sums it up brilliantly, I think. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and give, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That last sentence there, it sums it all up. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I don't care what anybody has done to you. Now, I care that you're hurting. I care that it upset you at the time. But let me put it in perspective for you. Compared to what Jesus Christ did for you, it's nothing. What you need to forgive that person of is nothing compared to what God forgave you of. Because you're talking about, and you might be holding on to, and you might be dredging up one event. God has forgiven you for every single sin in your life, before you were saved, after you were saved, until the day that you die. Every sin has been forgiven. So because he did that, you must forgive other people. Not if you feel like it. Not if you think that you've punished them enough for it for now and you're going to let them off the hook. You must forgive others. Okay, next, love 
does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. So what does this one mean? Well, basically it's this. It means that love will speak truth. It will celebrate when truth comes out. But it won't celebrate when injustices happen. When truth comes out in a situation, when good triumphs, when God has shown himself and set some things straight, we should rejoice. We should shout about it. We should share about it. And when someone that we love is making right decisions and choices, we should encourage them and celebrate them. Now, when someone we love is making decisions that are not so good, or they are suffering through some kind of a circumstance or another, we should not give them a hard time. Nor should we talk about these bad things with other people. News tends to travel a lot faster when it's bad news. Don't be a part of that news traveling. If you've got some issues going on, I'm not saying keep it from everybody because you're going to need to seek godly counsel. But what I'm, not talk- what I'm talking about basically is gossip. You don't gossip. You don't speak about injustices. You don't talk about the bad stuff. God's going to take care of the bad stuff. Celebrate the good stuff. Focus on what the people around you are doing right. Not the stuff that's going wrong. All right, so a couple of more things to cover just before I close. Love never gives up and never loses faith. Now, if I can guarantee you one thing that will happen in every close relationship that you have, it's this. Something, at some point, is going to go wrong. Now, that's not necessarily with the relationship, but definitely in the relationship. Something bad will happen at some point. Now, that's not being negative. That's being real. That's being real. Love has faith. Love never gives up, irrespective of the situation. Many people in this room have got ongoing situations with their families. Things that you've been going through with your families. Things that have been going on for a long time maybe. And as yet they haven't improved. Now love will trust that things are going to work out according to God's will. Romans 8.28 tells us this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. Everything. 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 The fact of the matter is that life is not easy. And that our faith will be tested sometimes. That's biblical. Expect it. It's, it's going to happen. We're told it's going to happen. So don't be surprised when it does. Your faith is going to be tested. The same way as our patience is tested sometimes. Sometimes even our sanity is tested. But love with faith will overcome. Love with faith will overcome. In situations that are ongoing, we must love continually. Unconditional love does not just mean unconditional, irrespective of the person that we love being deserving of our love or not. Because by definition, if, if we are assessing whether they deserve our love or otherwise, that's not unconditional. It's conditional. You, I'll give you my love if you deserve it. Is condition, that's the condition of you loving. Unconditional is I don't care whether you deserve it or not. I'm going to love you anyways. I'm going to love you anyway. And it has to be consistent. And sometimes you're going to have to love people through stuff for a long time. But we must consciously decide, consciously decide that we will not give up, that our faith will remain and that we will continue to love through everything. And that leads me to the last aspect of love that I'm going to look at tonight. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now this is a beautiful thought. If you just take a moment, whatever the circumstance, love endures. Now, what does endure mean? It means to hold out against. It means to sustain without impairment or yielding. 
In other words, whatever is going on, love carries on through it. And what else does love do? It continues to hope. And something else, it continues to give hope. It gives hope. Love is so often looked upon as a nice emotion, as a warm and fuzzy feeling. Love is often looked upon as something which is fragile. Now let me tell you, I believe that true love is incredibly strong and powerful. True love is incredibly strong and powerful. Yes, it brings us a good feeling. Yes, it brings us nice feelings. But love, true love, is incredibly strong and powerful. There's nothing fragile about true love. Love does endure. So when everything else is falling apart around your ears, when every circumstance seems to be coming against you, the one thing that you can rely on is love. If you allow that to be the case. If you show God's love to others, you will receive God's love from others. Now, as Paul said, if we do not love others, we gain nothing. So let me close out on this point. Love, more than any other thing, can transform someone's life. I am standing here tonight because eight years ago, God's love transformed my life. Love transforms lives. Giving someone love is the single most impactful and valuable gift that you can ever give. Now we've spent over the last three weeks looking at what love looks like and what love is. But I pray that we never forget or take for granted what love does. Amen? You all bow your heads for me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We love your love, Father God. We love your unconditional love. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, for the love that I've received, for your love that I have received, Father God. I didn't deserve it any more than anybody else does, Lord. And yet you gave it freely. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for how powerful love is. I thank you, Lord, that how it can transform people's lives. And God, I pray that each and every person here will not only receive that love from other people, your love from other people, but that they will give that love, Lord God, that they will just be a conduit of your love, that they will receive that love from you so much that it's overflowing into other people's lives, Father. And I pray that the people here, Lord, will take what we have learned, that I will take what I have learned over this last three weeks, Lord, and apply it to my life. Apply it to the relationships that I have, Father God. I want my wife and my family, my friends, the people that I care about, to feel your love more than they ever have done before, Father. Help me with that, Lord. Help me with that. Lord God, we love you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. 
We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsea's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.